We're listening to legendary jazz pianist Billy Taylor performing in WFUV's Studio A. Taylor is 88 years old, but defying his age behind the keys. Good morning. I'm George Boldarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Coming up on this morning's show, Billy Taylor talks about aging and his music as part of WFUV's Strike a Chord campaign focusing on artists. Also today, a panel of experts discusses the value of the arts in the lives of older adults, and we'll hear about volunteer opportunities for artists to benefit seniors. Glad you're with us for Cityscape. Good morning. You would think volunteer opportunities for artists would be abundant, but that's not what one New York City actor found. So she started her own group to benefit senior citizens. Sarah Reynolds has more. On a Tuesday afternoon in the East Village, a group of Broadway actors and singers are on their way to give an afternoon show. But this show doesn't involve a box office or money. It's free. These singers make up a small but growing nonprofit called Sing for Your Seniors, and their audience is usually expectant. Depending on the day, they can be rowdy, sometimes they're sleepy. (laughs) You never really know what kind of audience it's going to be. Jackie Vanderbeck is a singer-actor and the executive director of this newly incorporated volunteer group. After a fruitless search for volunteer work that would tolerate her gypsy-like travel schedule, she started her own group of actor-singer volunteers. Twice a month, whoever can make it meets for coffee and walks the few blocks to the Village Adult Day Health Center for an informal Broadway show. Sometimes they'll sing back at you, or sometimes they'll start a conversation and just keep going. There are a couple of new singers today, so Jackie explains what to expect from the audience and how the hour-long show runs. The singers slowly make their way through the crowd of seniors to the front of a large room where there's a piano and a chair for each of them. The Day Center staff bustles around to help the seniors find a seat for the show, which has come to be known as Jackie's Broadway Hour. Brett Teresa, the piano player, is the secretary of Sing for Your Seniors. The center here is, is interesting because it's everyone, everyone is here for different reasons. A lot of people who aren't quite as mentally with it, you'll see like a moment of lucidness. And then you can tell they're kind of reliving some sort of memory. city like New York where there's so many people struggling to be performers, to be actors, to be singers, to be noticed, you tend to lose track of why it's important. Um, A lot of times when you're on the stage, the lights are in your face, you have no idea how the audience is affected by your work. I find that, you know, the singers that do come they're getting to get up and sing and see how it affects people. I think it reiterates for them why they love doing it. Some seniors sing along. Some shout out song requests and others clasp their hands and quietly gaze at the performers. Each performer sings two or three songs and the hour passes quickly. As the singers pack up to go, they weave their way through the rows of people to shake their hands and thank them for coming. Greta, one of the seniors, comes every week. Thank you for singing. It's, I hope you come again. We're very emotional about it, you can see. It's beautiful. Jackie makes a point to tell the seniors that she expects to see them at the next performance. 
For a lot of senior citizens who might not have a lot of family interaction, that kind of responsibility is important. Um, it's not just, we're here to sing for you and leave. The singers make their way out of the day center and back into the street. They say their goodbyes, return to classes, meetings, auditions. They'll see each other again in a couple of weeks for another Broadway show in the East Village, for an audience that can't wait to see them. For Cityscape, I'm Sarah Reynolds. Can participating in the arts help people age happier and healthier? The research says yes. With us now to talk more about the field of what's known as creative aging are the co-founders of an organization called Lifetime Arts, Maura O'Malley and Ed Friedman. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, George. Good morning, George. And we also want to welcome to Cityscape Hollis Hedrick. Hollis is a consultant for arts, education, and philanthropic organizations focusing on program development and strategic planning. Hollis, happy to have you here. Thanks. Glad to be here. Now, there's this thing called creative aging. And I've been asking people, do you know what creative aging is? And they're like, no, what the heck is creative aging? (laughs) So let's start off with the definition. What is creative aging? Maura? Uh, For the purposes of our work, uh, we think of creative aging as professionally conducted arts programs for older adults, wherever they are. So that means adults in adult daycare, adults in public libraries, adults in senior centers, adults in independent or assisted living facilities, hospitals, any number of places where there are older adults. Is this a relatively new phenomenon, creative aging? Well, I, I wouldn't say that the the program's necessarily new. I think the way we think about it is is new. I think that there's been a lot of research done, and the research has told us, in fact, that uh, professionally conducted arts programs have beneficial, positive, both mental and and uh, and uh, physical effects, uh, positive effects on older adults. And I think uh, a lot of programs have kind of grown up around this research now. Hollis, you've been involved with the arts for a long time. How have you seen this play out? Well, I think one of the interesting things that's happening, as, as Ed was saying, is there's been so much emphasis uh, in arts education in particular with schools and cultural organizations working together to really focus on the K-12 population. And we know that in the next, I think, maybe even this coming year, that there's going to be as many people over 65 as there are under 20. And I think many arts organizations now are starting to look at how can we really redirect our energy and are we really looking at the audience, however that's you know conceived of, and how do we really serve our community? So I think organizations as well as uh, foundations and other funders are beginning to turn their attention to older adults. And I think some of that is also because people that have been working in the field whether as arts administrators or teaching artists, are also getting older and beginning to age out of the work and are tired of schlepping their conga drums or their artwork up and down uh, public schools all over the country and are starting to think of of what's the next phase of creativity for me as an artist. We're going to talk more about opportunities that are available for artists to teach, but I want to get a better understanding about how different the programs are for older people than for the K-12 through crowd, these arts programs? Well, there are some significant differences, and one of the things is that older adults uh, in these programs are not a captive audience. They can get up and leave. They're not in a schoolroom, and so they come to these programs because they're interested in learning, and the important, other important aspect of it is the idea of socialization, 
um, being uh, in a place where there are people that you can relate to that has, uh, and you're doing work that has meaning uh, is a draw for older adults. There's also been a lot of passive entertainment um, produced for older adults, thinking that older adults, as they age, decline in in intelligence or whatever, but in fact, you can learn to the day you die. And so these programs are active learning programs where people are actually building skills, learning new things, um, and working like artists, gathering information, using new resources, working together, uh, self-editing, sharing things, working independently, all of those kinds of things that happen in K-12 programs, but there's a different kind of learning. Also, older adults have life experience. They've got a lot of expression to, to let out. It can't all be about bingo in your <laughs> right, golden that's years, right? No, right? It's, it's beyond bingo. Beyond bingo. <laughs> that's right. Give me some examples of the programs that are out there for older adults. The main program that we're working with now, which is um, Creative Aging in Our Communities, the Westchester Libraries Project, is a program uh, that partners uh, libraries with teaching artists. And what we did was we created a, uh, a competitive grant program that the libraries in Westchester County could apply to and uh, if they part, if they came to the uh, application in partnership with an arts organization or a professional teaching artist, and what these successful applicants did is they created these uh, programs of sequential arts instruction. We've had uh, memoir writing, we've seen painting, drawing, dance. Uh, one of the most successful programs uh, last uh, last year, this past year, I should say, was uh, a dance program where there were so many people uh, vying to be part of this class that the people who – there were two sessions, and the people who came to the first session stayed for the second one, and the people who signed up for the second one came early for the first one. Maura, you mentioned that, yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> but what do we know about how the arts benefit older adults both mentally and physically? The most important ingredients for positive aging through the arts are mastery and social engagement. So mastery meaning learning something new, building increasingly challenging skills over a period of time. And so that's where the, the, you know, the professional teaching artist comes in. When you're learning new skills, you want to be taught by a professional who understands and knows how to manipulate materials and is a practitioner in the, in the art. So mastery and then also social engagement. And we found in the programs that we've done that though people may be um, artists uh, in their own homes, they come to these library programs because of the social engagement, the idea of collegial support, of collegial discourse, of talking and sharing information and experience with other people uh, is a very important piece of this work. Let's talk more about the artists who are involved in creative aging. What can you tell us about them? They come to it with a passion for working with older adults. Many of them come to it from personal experience. You know, we One of the reasons we started this organization was uh, we've become caregivers in our older age in the past several years. And as you, you see what happens to older people as they become isolated and institutionalized, teaching artists who are themselves, as Hollis mentioned, aging out of the K-12 world, which is physically and intellectually exhausting, this is a different kind of work. So there are all kinds of people, and there are people who like to, to teach. There are people who know how to communicate the love and passion and expertise of their art form. And there are people who who are, are willing to be flex, who are flexible, who have a sense of humor, who understand their constituents. You know, it's not like a, a class full, full of 30 kids or so. You've got older adults who have 50, 60, 70, 80 years of life experience. 
and are looking for ways to express that. So the artists who come to this work are uh, all kinds and all different, all different disciplines too, which is exciting. Uh, and also many people who come to these programs don't consider themselves teaching artists, especially people who come to library programs. In many cases over the past many years, independent practitioners have sort of found a way or a home in a local library, and they are not necessarily connected to the larger network of professional teaching artists who have gone through arts organizations and have been professionally developed and know how to write a curriculum, for instance. But what they do bring is a passion for learning and for sharing their love of their artwork. If you look at this as part of the healthcare debate, if the arts are helping people to live longer, healthier lives, keeping them out of hospitals, saving taxpayers money, then do you think that the government should be investing more in creative arts programs? That's a great question. It is a great question, yeah. <laughs> and, well, you know, we've talked to people in government in uh, in one of the, one of the state uh, agencies about this, and... Uh, Unofficially, they were very uh, supportive, and when it came, when push came to shove, creative aging is not really on the radar. This is going to change; it's already starting to change. But there's a lot of consciousness raising that needs to happen before the debate gets escalated. There are many famous artists who are aging right along with the rest of us. Any spokespeople out there for this big name spokespeople, or are you seeking them out? Depends on how you what you consider aging. If you say fifty five, I could probably name about one hundred and fifty right now. <laughs> if you said seventy five, we'd have a few less. But Willie Nelson, you know, uh, uh, Van Morrison, Mick Bob Jagger. Dylan, Mick Jagger, <laughs> uh, so many va- fabulous. And Merce um, Cunningham, Cunningham worked up until the day he died from his wheelchair. Right, but are these uh, people talking about and that, aging in their music, yeah. or do they not want to face the fact that they're aging? I don't think. There really is anyone. Art culture is based on youth. It's not based on um, adults and older adults in particular. It's something that we want to shove aside. And as we've been discussing, this is really it, it is an emerging area and one where we're starting to gather more information about research. There's more information just about the issues related to health for older adults, too. So making some nice progress, but more work to do. Mm-hmm. Ed Friedman, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. Maura O'Malley, thank you. Thank you. And Hollis Hedrick, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Hollis Hedrick is a consultant for arts organizations, and Maura O'Malley and Ed Friedman are the co-founders of the group Lifetime Arts. If you'd like to get in touch with Lifetime Arts, you'll find their contact information on the Strike Accord webpage at WFUV.org. Taylor is considered one of the world's great musicians. He started as a jazz pianist in the early 1940s and has played with a number of greats over the years, including Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis. Taylor's composed more than 350 songs, including works for theater, dance, and symphony orchestras. And at the age of 88, Taylor's talent endures. Taylor recently paid a visit to our studios to talk about aging and his music. I am pleased to welcome to Cityscape the legendary jazz pianist Billy Taylor. Billy, it is a pleasure to have you here. Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. 
more than 60 years in the business, huh? Yeah, that's uh, sometimes I feel my 88 years uh, uh, a little more than, uh, than I would like to, but uh, it's been fun. How is it that you're able to remain behind the keys after all of these years? I can't play the way I used to play, but I can still play, which is, is, is good news for me. I woke up about five years ago, and I had a stroke, and I thought I'd never play again. And so that was uh, a big shock. I, I couldn't imagine going through the rest of my life without being able to play the instrument. I've been I played it all my life, and uh, luckily uh, the stroke was such that uh, I, I have been able to uh, do all of the things that uh, I could do before, not as fast necessarily, but uh, uh, at least as uh, things that, that allow me to express myself. I'm a composer uh, 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 at heart, and so many of the things that I do uh, uh, allow me to say, well, this is the way I feel about that. You know? Did you have to alter the way you play after your stroke? I didn't have to op- alter it. I'm, I'm just trying to, to uh, re-establish... Uh, some of the things that that I used to do, uh, well, I, I I have to put it on another. I used to pl- practice eight and ten hours a day, so I practiced a lot. I mean, I had facility to do a lot of things, and luckily for me, some of that has come back, so it it feels good. But prior to your stroke, you were still in your eighties and playing the piano. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much so. I was touring, I was doing a lot of things. I I, I do the uh, uh, all of the jazz programming at the Kennedy Center. And uh, so that means that I'm down there uh, in Washington, D.C. quite a bit. And I really uh, enjoy uh, working with uh, a lot of the uh, young people that uh, uh, we present. Uh, we, we have a jazz program then that's uh, uh, different from anything around the world. So I'm, I'm really proud of that. We've, I've done it for the last, oh, 15 years now. What do you attribute your ability to tour in your 80s too what keeps you going is it the music itself i think so i think uh music itself is uh it adds something to to who i am i i i feel good about the fact that uh i can play the music and that i can talk about it i can relate to many things in music been performing Billy for more than 60 years. What era did you like to perform most in? Really the post-bebop area, uh, because the uh, variety of things that uh, uh, came about uh, in the bebop area, the classical music, uh, the Latin music, the uh, uh, many of the other things that I had uh, uh, heard and uh, um, absorbed uh, became a part of uh, who I am and what I do. This show, of course, is focusing on aging, aging musicians. How is it that you're able to recall all of the things that you've learned through the years and implement that at the piano still? Actually, when when I first went to college, I I studied to teach because I, I thought I could earn a living uh, as a teacher, 
uh, back in those days, uh, I made more money playing with the local band than, than than I would have made as a teacher. So I said, well, maybe I better look in a different direction. And I did. <laughs> but uh, being able to share aspects of, of uh, personal expression uh, is uh, a blessing. So then would you say that teaching has actually made you sharper? Very much so. You have an album called Music Keeps Us Young. Do you recall how old you were when you put that album out? <laughs> no, but in my early 80s. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, the body gives out on me for time and time again, but I'm very fortunate in that I'm, I'm still uh, able to do a lot of the things that uh, help me to express myself. And and that, that that's... Uh, Many people don't have that that joy. You mentioned, Billy, that you were still touring in your early 80s. Did your daughter or anyone else in your family ever say, you know what, slow down, enjoy your retirement years? Well, unfortunately, uh, I didn't I didn't take anybody's advice to 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 do that until I had to retire <laughs> and and sort of regroup and and begin to do the the, the things that I probably uh, should have been doing as a retiree. What do you do now as a retiree? But you're still working, though. Here you yeah. are. You're working today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do. Yeah, I I do a lot of things. I, as I said, uh, one of the things that I do, I give a lot of, of uh, lectures, and I and I do a lot of things that spreads the music to a wider audience, a wider audience than I ever thought I would. You know, I'm just looking at you here, and I'm thinking about the name of that album, "Music Keeps Us Young," and you do not look 88 years old. So there has to be a lot of truth in that. Well, thank you, thank you very much. I, I, I feel, I feel really, I, I am really blessed. I have a lovely wife and and a daughter. And we lost a son, but uh, uh, all of my uh, uh, family life has has been uh, a blessing. I mean, I, I, I just, uh, I, I think of myself as if uh, this was all uh, taken away from me to tomorrow. At least I had what uh, up to this moment uh, is is just uh, unbelievable. Aside from the stroke, were there any other ailments that you've suffered that got in the way of your performing, whether it be arthritis or other aspects of aging? Like uh, many people in my generation, I guess, uh, I just refused to acknowledge the fact that uh, I was getting older and and, and kept uh, acting as though I was uh, uh, much younger than I actually was. And... Uh, it it uh it, it enabled me to uh speak and to work with uh, people who were a great deal younger than i once again that 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 helped me uh do just what what i'm talking about because uh there's something about uh, playing jazz that is different from other kinds of music you're forced to be creative you're forced to uh uh express yourself in 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 ways that are very personal and uh, so I can say this is very personal, but if I play 
something uh, and you get that message. That's, that's uh, me to me, uh, more important. What advice would you give, Billy, to other aging performers, perhaps performers who feel, you know what, I'm too old to do this. I want to give up. I want to just sit back in my recliner and watch TV now. Most musicians and and most uh, older people, uh, whether they're musicians or not, uh, uh, would really like to do something that they feel is useful, uh, no matter what their age is. And uh, I think one of the worst things that happens to all of us as we get older is that physically we can't do things that we did very well at some point. And you you say, well, I can't do that, but I can do this and, and I can share this part of uh, uh, what I know. Uh, one of the things that, that makes jazz what it is is the fact that that for all of my life has been uh, a guide uh, a guiding light to uh, uh, help uh, other people. And many of the musicians that I know are teaching now, and many of the musicians that I know who are teaching swore up and down they would never be teachers because they, they thought that was, the, no, I just oh, I want to play music, I want to write music and so forth. But uh, many of them got into it because they realized that it's a way of passing on what they do. I was going to ask you, do you think there are enough opportunities for aging musicians to teach, to pass on what they know? Uh, not enough. There are not enough. There, there are many uh, organizations now that are really uh, uh, realizing that regardless of whether you're talking about jazz or just talking about the arts in general, to express yourself in the in the, in in the arts is something that's special, and and this country is very slow uh, realizing to the, what extent uh, we have given uh, and presented a, around the world things which are very important to uh, continuing life. I know that you teach young people, but do you think that even older people can learn jazz? Someone in their eighties for the first time. No question about it. I mean, there are uh, uh, several people that I know who have retired uh, say, well, you know, I didn't have, I didn't take the time, but, gee, I'd, I'd like to play the flute or I'd like to play the piano or I'd like to do this because, you know, and they find that they can express themselves in a way that was just totally uh, uh, away from them, so, so, something that they, they, they didn't relate to in that way. And now that this is an added uh, aspect of who they are and what they're about. And, and you know, I can do this. And, and boy, it's, you know, wow, yeah, isn't this nice? <laughs> Billy, any other words of wisdom that you can share with us? Yeah. the We have uh, in this country uh, one of the uh, best uh, opportunities to speak freely and, and, and to uh, use the arts uh, as a way of uh, saying who we are and what we're about. And we have uh, so many things that, that are so helpful 
to uh, other people in other places in the world and to, to uh, continue to use it and continue to, 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 to do the things that uh, have made us who we are is very important to me. Billy Taylor, thanks so much for coming in. Well, thank you very much for, for having me. I, I, I'm delighted that you are thinking of uh, age uh, in the way that you are uh, because it's very important that, that we gather uh, these things. And, and for you as a younger person to, to bring what you have uh, to uh, what I'm trying to present uh, is important to me. Billy, thank you. Legendary jazz pianist Billy Taylor talking about aging and his music. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. For more information about our Strike Accord campaign on artists, visit the Strike Accord webpage at WFUV.org. And remember, you can get past editions of Cityscape and learn how to podcast the show at WFUV.org as well. And while you're online, we encourage you to become a fan of Cityscape on Facebook. I'm George Bodarki. My thanks to producer Skylar Srivastava. Have a great weekend.